Hello everyone, welcome to Adoption Adventures. Hope you're all doing really well. Um, hope you're having a lovely time. Um, I, <laughs> I am not having a wonderful time. The only reason I'm not having a wonderful time, but I am still laughing about it, is I've just gone on a walk and um, I've been recording an episode on location and <laughs> just clicked the finish record button and for some unknown reason my 30 minute long episode stopped recording after 12 minutes um so i was basically just talking to myself um and there was no benefit to anyone so <laughs> today i'm uh, i'm back out on location um I needed to get some uh, some exercise in, so I decided to take the the little lady out for a walk. Um, I have done two miles, but it looks like I'm going to be doing a little bit more. So thank you for helping me to do a little bit more exercise. That's that's the uh, the positive I'm going to take from today. Um, so topic of today's conversation is sort of comes comes from um, an online focus forum that I did with um, Adopted Voice just the other day. The topic that we were discussing was um, support groups. What support groups people have accessed over the past year, how they've accessed them, how they've found them, all things like that. And we had a real nice, healthy discussion with the group that had attended. Really incredible listening to some of the things that were in place, uh, some of the things that had been in place, and some of the things that were no longer available. And through this conversation, um, I was I was sort of talking about some of the different things that I had accessed as well. You know, we're nine years down the line now. Um, we've had a lot of experience, a lot of exposure to um, sort of different support groups. And it's been really interesting. Um, and I guess I put a different slant on support group as well. Um, so you've obviously, you've got, what, well, what, I, what I learned from this conversation is, start, I'm gonna be rambling now because I'm gonna be worried I've already said all of these things. I have, you just didn't hear it. Uh, so in this group, we talked about these different support groups that had been accessed. Um, people were talking about um, some of the things that they'd been able to access, um, how they'd sort of found that there was adopter-led groups, there were volunteer groups, there were groups set up by um, social services or agencies, and they were for various things. Um, and over the past year, some of them have had to stop. Some of them have become a bit more sporadic. Others have carried on, but have been a little bit more challenging. Um, and what I found interesting was how a lot of the adopters, or the, the, the one message that was super clear, um, and anyone who shared their experience, it was always sort of coming back to the same thing. Anyone who talked about a group that was adopter-led 
had really positive things to say about it. Um, and I found that kind of mirrored the experiences that we'd had um, when it came to adoption support groups. So we're really lucky within our um, agency, the amount of support groups that are put on is incredible. Um, now our agency, they use, it's called the ASF, which is the Adoption Support Fund. Um, this is a fund that's made available for all adopted children or looked after children. Um, it's a, I think it's a £5,000 um, budget per child per year, it's not cumulative, um, to help with their development and growth. Our agency, they find ways to use some of this funding to set up support groups so as people can access them and get the support that they need because it's not all about accessing counselling and therapy. Sometimes it is just finding somebody else that you can talk to. So, so our agency have, have made sure they've set up a load of different groups to help people. Now, um, I've seen that they've got Just for Dads, Therapeutic parenting, um, same-sex adopters, single adopters, adopting when you've got birth children. So they've, they've really, really tried to cover as many angles as possible. Um, obviously, the ones that I've listed, they're not all that they do, but just to show you that just trying to think of as many different groups as they possibly can. Um, they then put on activity days, coffee mornings, um, get-togethers, all, all things like this. It's really, really great. Um, what I found from sort of accessing these, the ones that I enjoyed the most were the ones that were adopted then as well. Because I felt that they were just a little bit closer to what I needed. It felt like the people that were running them knew what I was going through, so could offer that support and guidance to to help me and they would make sure that the group was steering in the right direction. So I always found that they were just that much better. That's not taking anything away from the volunteers or the social workers that were volunteering their time at all. They were still great groups. I just found that these ones were much more in tune with what I would enjoy. Um, so over the years, I found that I've attended these and then inevitably got involved in them. Um, when I first started attending the same-sex adopter group, um, we were sort of approached by social services and they said, hey, you know, you're, you're consistently here and we, we know you because of our training. Would you mind sort of helping to facilitate this? Of course I can, not a problem at all. Um, so I took it on and it was great fun and we had a variety of parents coming through um, each week and that uh, each month and that was really nice what happened though is as more people were coming into the group we as a family were kind of we weren't really the right fit any longer the only reason that we fit into that group was because we were same-sex adopters everything else made us stand out as not really being closely linked to the group because the children that were joining the group, the age of them, they were 
a lot younger than little dude. So as a result, we was putting on activities and things that would be age appropriate for the younger children. Our own child was suffering. You know, he was attending. He was going, yeah, I'm just a bit bored. And I understood it. So after some time and some discussion, I sort of cast out a comment to the group and said, hey, look, we're probably going to check out of this now because um, it's, it's just not, it's not fit for purpose for us any longer. We need somebody else who is prepared to sort of step up and, and become the facilitator of this group. And what was really disappointing was not many people volunteered too quickly. Um, and it took a little bit of time and effort for it to actually happen. And in the end, Dad sort of said to me, he said, right, step away from the group. <laughs> Put the group down and step away. Uh, he said, look, step away, because whilst you're still attending each month and you're still sort of helping to facilitate, nobody else has to step up. Step away and someone will be forced to step into the role or the group will die. Um, and I did, and it worked, um, as far as I, I'm aware. Um, it, it carried on running for quite some time. Obviously, I don't know what's happened post sort of COVID times, but I know that it carried on after we had stepped away, which is great. What I found over the course of my experience of being a parent is this isn't a unique situation. Um, there are a number of groups out there that have been put together to help others. Um, and they are reliant on volunteers getting involved and giving up their time to help put these together. Um, another example that I had of this, and hold on, yeah, come on, Shadow. She's for all you listeners at home that can't see what I can see. She is definitely pointing towards the car, and I'm definitely pointing to a longer walk. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, so, so granted. This part is probably the least least fun part of the podcast um, episode for you. But I do, <laughs> do have to keep my attention on her um, to make sure that she doesn't run towards the road. Um, so, yeah, I found um, the same happened with Little Dude and um, the first primary school that he went to. We found that there was a um, parent-teacher association um, and it was really, really great. Um, all the different activities that they did were really, really cool. Oh, I've got a bunch of runners coming past now. Oh, look at this little dog run towards me now. <laughs> I actually paused. Uh, I paused to go and get her, uh, because I felt that that was, uh, <laughs> Sorry, 
and just paused it. Um, it, it felt a lot easier to just pause and <laughs> go and get her. <laughs> she was not prepared to listen, and I didn't want to shout in your ears. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Little Dude's Primary School uh, had um, sort of a parent-teacher association, and it was a really undersubscribed school. Um, so as a result, they didn't have many parents that wanted to get involved and help out. Um, one of the sort of big things that they used to do, um, obviously they did fundraising for the school, but the big thing that they did was they run school discos, and the kids absolutely loved them. I didn't. I thought that was absolutely dreadful. Not <laughs> not because many parents did. It was just so noisy. Um, it was absolutely horrendous. Um, but, <laughs> but they put these on. Well. I, I learned through the grapevine that the um, chair had stepped down um, with immediate notice and was not, not prepared to get involved. Um, and as a result, it meant the school disco was not going to go ahead. Um, and this was going to be little dude's I think, first or second disco. And uh, <laughs> superhero that I wish that I were. I wasn't prepared to let that happen. So I was like, right there, maybe I can help. So I got in touch with the group and said, look, I'm quite happy, you know, I've got some time on my hands. I'm quite happy to put my name in the ring um, and to just help out. I will, however, stress, I'm only going to be doing this for a year. I'm not here to do it for long term. I'm just doing this to keep it on its feet and see if we can boost the numbers. Yeah, sure, great. And, and I got involved, and it was good fun. Um, not the disco, that wasn't good fun at all. <laughs> um, but I got involved, helped out. Um, and over the course, sort of over the years, I found that that happens so often, um, that there are Groups that are being run are a group of volunteers, but they've only got a small selection of volunteers that are prepared to get involved. And <clears throat> it's the same as the support groups for adopters. Um, again, it's reliant on a couple of key people that are keeping these things going. The problem with that is these key people, if, if they drop out, the group then suffers. But the reason they drop out, and I can say this from experience, is because you, you burn out. You get involved in as many of these groups as you possibly can to help as much as you can. But you can't be everywhere all the time. So you start sort of saying, actually, you know what, this one, I'm going to drop because I can. And that then sort of slowly fades away. But it's a group that's so, so important to so many people. So, so I think what's going to be the key sort of feature of today's episode is the term get involved. Um, and this comes from a place of wanting to improve things, wanting to make them better. I'm wanting to make them better, not just 
not just for you, but for the next round of adopters and for the next child that is adopted. A huge, on, on my recent um, sort of survey from Adopter Voice, we were asking about um, what training or activities have you attended? How have you found them? When do you want to be back face to face? The key message that came through from all of those responses, um, and I had a lot of responses, so if, if you were involved, thank you so, so much. It's, it's made my report that's gone all, all the way up to the top that much stronger. But the most important message that came through from those responses were over the past year, people talked about the lack of meeting and engaging with other adopters and how there was a, a real concern that they'd missed out on something really important. And I think they have. I think that for all of the different support groups and all the different network sessions that I've been to and attended and supported, I've built up a huge network of people that I can rely on. And more to the point, I've built up this huge network of people that I can talk to and go, do you know what? This is happening today and I've got no idea on how to deal with it. And I've got people there to answer that. Um, and I think now more than ever, it is so important that we are involved in these groups. What I sort of found um, was it kind of, like I said earlier, it was like a postcode lottery. Um, if you was in under the right agency, the level of support and the level of support groups was incredible. Whereas if you were perhaps part of a smaller agency or perhaps, dare I say it, not as productive an agency, you found that you weren't able to access these. Um, and that was really, really disappointing um, because I've, I've had access to so many different groups and so much training. I shouldn't have a better experience of adopting just because I'm under the right agency. That, that shouldn't be the message that is there. Um, speaking of training, actually, there was a really good point, a really um, important point that came from our focus forum. Um, one adopter talked about how she'd been able to access various training and support and had mentioned this to some people within her network. They'd said, you know what? I've never even heard of half of these things. How do you even know that they exist? And she said, you know what? I'm, I'm on the mailing lists. I said, how? How do you get on these mailing lists? Now, when, in my agency, when we deliver training, at the end of that training, we will talk to um, agro-photographers and we'll say, right, we've got you now. Uh, we've got your email addresses, you're going to get an email to ask if you're happy to remain on our mailing list. Um, and we then make a point of saying, but whoever's email address you're giving for the main point of contact, make sure that you think about who that is. Is it the person that's going to be going on adoption leave? And are you giving over your work email address? 
If all those are the answer is a yes, then once you've had your placement, you're going to get invited to all of these training and support groups, and we're going to get a response saying, hey, sorry, but I'm on adoption leave. I'm living my best life as an adoptive parent. Um, I would love to know about some training, but you can't reach me. <laughs> um, so I would strongly advise you to make sure that you're given over a personal email address that you are accessing regularly. What I would say is to others, sorry, you'll notice that I'm uh, a little bit out of breath. You should see the hill that I'm walking up and I have not stopped talking. Usually on this hill, I'm talking to someone. I'll let them do the talking at this point. Crikey. Uh, so another thing that I sort of would suggest here is proactivity. Get involved. Reach out to your local agency or agencies and speak to them and say, right, I'd like to be on your mailing list. I'd like to find out what training you offer. I'd like to find out what groups you've got available. Where do I, who do I give my details to? They will have a point of contact. Same with Adoption UK. You can sign up to become a member. Um, you can sign up to become a, a paid member and you'll attend um, or be able to access webinars and other things like that. If you don't want to be a member, then you'll be able to say, hey, I don't want to be a member, but I am an adopter or a prospective adopter and I do have a voice. I'd love to go on my local adopter voice mailing list so as I can get involved and share my views with my local board. Because that voice matters. You might be sat there thinking, oh yeah, but you know what? My experience has been pretty good so far. So I don't really need to get involved in that. I don't really need to share my views because nobody wants to hear it. Let me tell you, we do. I do. If you're having a great time of it, I want to know. If you're having a terrible time of it, I want to know. But I was attending this forum and there were a couple of people sharing some difficult experiences and I finished the call and spoke to Dad and said, you know what, you know, we, we, we haven't experienced that. We were really fortunate that, that wasn't part of our journey. But I was able to learn from it. I was able to hear about other people's experiences and I was able to go, right, okay. I wonder what we could do here. Is there a gap? And other adopters were then able to just worked out what the uh, the problem was last time. As I'm walking and talking, Siri, he basically gets involved and he overturns the recording. And he stopped it last time. What a little, what's it? Um, I'm pretty certain that I haven't been stopped this time, so we're all right. Um, so, yeah, it's about sharing your experiences, both good and bad, so as other people can learn from it. Um, 
Now, when I recorded this the first time, uh, this, this exact point is when I started to have a little bit of a moan off of the rant. I would love it if I could say that I got that rant out of my system <laughs> and uh, you guys are all safe and it's not going to happen again. It's not true. You're going to hear it again. Um, so, it's an experience I had, um, an experience that I think about is when little dude joined us, um, we wanted to get involved in as many different sort of like clubs and activities as possibly could. And we wanted to sort of surround him with different people so we could expand his remit and his support. And this is what I said at the start of the episode, that a support group, I don't necessarily see it as just an adoption support group. We got Little Dude involved in Cubs, and he absolutely loved it. Still does. That was an incredible support group for me. So the pack that he was um, part of when he first sort of joined, it was a newly formed pack, so they only had one leader. I think they had about six, six boys, um, maybe two girls as well. Um, <laughs> just one pack leader for all of these sort of seven to nine-year-olds. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, and um, we would attend, and then as we turn up, this one leader was signing everyone in, signing the register, trying to take sub payments from everyone, and then also getting the kids excited and engaged and working on stuff. And we kind of observed this, and Dad said, you know what, that's, that's just not on. He said, we're all just going there. We're dumping our kids on this poor guy. It's, it's just too much for one person. So he sort of, he turned up about 10 minutes early once and spoke to this leader and said, look, why don't you let me take the register and I'll take the subs. He said, I'll just collect it all up, put it in a tin, you do what you need to do with it afterwards. You just crack on and, and be the pack leader. And this guy said, do you know what? That would make such an um, amazing difference. Thank you. Now, Dad gave up 10 minutes of his time. That 10 minutes made sure that our children had 10 minutes more of a great time. And all the other parents would turn up and go, oh, it's really nice that you've done that. And then would just pay the subs and run away. Um, you'd see sort of like parent-shaped holes in the wall as they darted out of the room. Um, that same group, um, a couple of years later, asked if um, anyone would be able to get involved sit on their board, um, meet four times a year to make sure that everything was being run efficiently, effectively, see if there was any other activities that the kids could get involved in, see if there was other ways to promote the pack. You didn't need to have any experience within the scouting world. You just needed to turn up and be interested in making a better experience for your kid. Lo and behold, the numbers that put their name forward were practically zero. So, shock horror, we got involved. Um, 
and I, I supported and once again I said look I will support but I'm not I'm not signing up to do this for years at a time I'm going to sign up I'll give you two years and my aim will be to find a replacement um, and this ladies and gentlemen of the jury is where the rant starts I remember um, over the course of my two-year tenure we had a lot of fun the numbers practically doubled I had zero to do with that um, that was not my engagement at all uh, that was all the pack they were incredible um, but the numbers grew the activities grew the funding grew which meant that the activities could get better it all just improved and improved and improved and improved I remember after the first year we attended the annual meeting um, well actually so so I got to attend three annual meetings the first annual meeting that I attended was when I was dutifully elected of I believe it was something like 30 children in our pack only four parents arrived at that meeting the rest just dropped and ran meeting number two the, <laughs> the head of the pack very shrewd lady um, decided that she was going to put on a pack assembly type thing um, and as such there was a presentation for parents from your little ones so everyone was obviously very excited to attend because they would get to go and see their little one sort of performing the the scout motto in sign language or showing sort of different badges that they'd earned loads of different things really really great but it was a trap um we said oh yeah you're, you're here to do this um before you see this you've got to listen to the meeting first um <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, faces of thunder on the parents. Um, but at that meeting, we said, you know, our board has some gaps in it. We need more help. We need more volunteers. We need you to get involved. And everyone kind of looked away, didn't want to get involved. And I said, look, I am the chairman now. This is my last year. I'm not going to be here the year after. I need somebody else to be stepping into that role. So instead of taking on that big challenge, why not take on a different challenge within our board? Um, and again, silence fell. Um, then at my final meeting, my final sort of chairs meeting, I spoke to an audience of let's just say 50 parents. I said, look, every single week, we drop our children off at these activities. And we, we leave them here with these people who are giving up their time, but they're not just giving up for 90 minutes weekly. They're actually giving up two, two and a half hours weekly because just for the meetings, they're, they're attending, they're getting prepped, they're getting ready, they're making sure they've got the equipment. Then they're meeting up at the weekend and they're going down to different storages to try and speak to other pack leaders to see if there's other activities that they could be attending. The, the amount... and even though I've been on that side of it, I still have only scratched the surface of how much these volunteers do 
to make sure our children are having an incredible time. And I said, look, all of these things are happening. We have a responsibility to do more. We have a responsibility to get involved and to help. I need more people to join this board. And I was really disappointed because in a room of 50, everyone's head went down. Not a single hand went up. These groups, these activities, support groups for adopters, non-adopters, they're all for us. But unless we get involved in them, they're not going to carry on. Because how can they? My agency, I talked about, they've got so many different activities on, so many different groups. Um, I spoke to a social worker and she said, you know, these three groups are poorly attended and I cannot staff them with social workers. We need adopters to step forward and they are not stepping forward. Um, the social worker said, look, the long and the short of it is use it or lose it and it's going to be lost very soon. We are not going to be able to continue to writing to write bids to say that this is a valued group if it's not being attended and it's not being supported. Where I say I'm ranting, I'm actually pleading with you. I'm pleading with you to get involved. But I'm pleading with you to get involved for really selfish reasons. Um, and when I say selfish reasons, it's not my selfish reason. It's actually for your selfish reason. Get involved. Because as you do, you'll find your network is growing. And you'll find that you've got people around that you can actually ask questions to. You know, you can say, oh, do you know what? Like, uh, a topic that came up on this forum the other day was um, this group of people said, do you know what? Our kids are coming up to teen years. And I've got no idea how to plan for that, how to prep for that, what to do. Well, I, and this isn't a dig at those particular adopters. If they were a part of a group and they've been building a support network over the years, they'd have other people that have been there and done it. They'd have other people that they could talk to. But they were waiting for somebody else to build that group for them. They were waiting for somebody else to have done it. Unfortunately, we need to be able to do these things ourselves because it's all, all geared around making the world of adoption a better place. In addition to that, you get to hear from other parents, you get to see what other people are doing, you get to hear what other people are doing, and you get to learn, is this going to help me? My granddad used to give advice. I mean, he was an oracle of advice. A piece of advice that he used to give, he said to me, he said, right, if your life or one of your life's ambitions is to drive a Porsche, don't talk to someone who owns a Ford and ask them how to do it. Speak to someone who is driving a Porsche and ask them what they did because they will tell you how to do it. So in our years of being parents, we have surrounded ourselves with other parents we found other parents that we thought were doing an incredible job and we became sponges and we asked the questions of what is it you're doing? How is this working? How can we do the same? What can we do to replicate that? 
we surrounded ourselves with great parents and we surrounded ourselves with people that we wanted to mimic. And by doing so, we felt like we were stronger parents. I won't say that we became better parents because that's not for me to decide. That's little dude's decision. But we excelled at trying. Um, so from a selfish place, if you immerse yourself in this world, you'll find other people that want to help. Through being in this world as well, we were able to, so when we got involved in the Scouts, it wasn't so as I could look good or, I mean, it did make me feel good, but that wasn't why I was doing it. Again, from a really selfish perspective, I knew that Little Dude was really struggling with regards to friendships and social skills at that stage, and that adults around him might struggle to understand his character. So if I became immersed in their world, demonstrated that Little Dude was coming from a good family, in a good place, I could build a relationship with them whereby they could be honest with me and I could be honest with them. And I could talk to them and say, hey, do you know what? Actually, this is something he really struggles with. But we've learned that if you do this, it really helps. Because I was now volunteering with them, I was within their ranks. So I found that they listened a bit more. I then found that they offered guidance. I also found that they stepped up a little bit, stepped their game up a little bit on how they could help little dude. Because he wasn't just a number, he wasn't just another child in the group. He wasn't a difficult child in the group. He was a difficult child in the group. <laughs> he wasn't just a difficult child in the group. He was now that volunteer's son. So, whether this is right or wrong, we would find that no exceptions were made, but understanding was learned. And that's what we want. We want the best experience for our kids. Unfortunately, if you want that, you're going to have to throw yourself into another ring and get involved in another sort of world again because it, it's going to help our little ones um, and they deserve it. And what I would say is all the prospective adopters that are listening, you might be sitting here going, oh, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't count to me. Actually, it does. It does. Because you can find out now what support groups are in place. Um, and you can say, hey, I'd like to get involved in them before this child joins me. So, for example, um, we used to promote um, prospective adopters who were same-sex um, adopters. We'd, we would encourage them to come along to our same-sex adopter group to get to know us to have some experience and sort of time spent with um, other children and other families. So when they did have a child placed, they would be able to say to their child, hey, we're gonna to go to this group, but we've been before and we know X, Y, and Z, there's a couple of kids there that you might like. And it's not all of you going in feeling uncomfortable and awkward. It's actually <laughs> just the kid. <laughs> um, but, but they can rely on 
your sort of um, comfort levels to give them comfort and confidence. So get involved in that way. Um, you might be finding, I've had a lot of listeners get in touch with me recently and say that they're really struggling to get any um, childcare experience. Volunteer. Volunteer, I mean, it might be a little bit tricky at the moment, um, but volunteer with camp groups, brownies, crashes, prison crashes, um, activities, speak to your local um, agency and say, hey, what support groups have you got involved? And get in touch with the adopters that are running them and say to them, hey, do you need any help? Because I'm telling you now, the answer is yes. Yes, they do. They really need your help. Because if they're running this group, I can all but guarantee they're at least involved in another group. They might even be running another group. This is definitely not the only one that they're doing. Um, so reach out. I think a huge part of what I'm trying to say is we have a responsibility to get involved. We have a responsibility to help and to make the world a better place um, and to sort of improve it all for all of us. If we, if we are that, that group of parents that I talk to, where I ask for help and all the heads go down because they're all sitting there saying, somebody else will do it. If that were, if that was the way that we all responded to these things, sooner or later, people stop doing it they stop helping. We have to be that person. You can't rely on other people doing it all the time. Instead, we have to do our part and all get involved. All, all make the same effort because if we're all doing it, then we're going to be so sort of we're going to have an abundance of support that the support gets better, and the experience will improve for us all. Being being a part of it will will just make such a better experience for every other adopter out there. You know, it's, it's the same as whenever I sort of reach out to other adopters and say, hey, I'm about to start talking about a, a subject. I need some I need some help and guidance. Who, who's got some experience in this? And when I have other adopters come forward it, or guests come forward, it makes it a better experience for everyone. When I said that I wanted to talk about FASD but didn't know what I was talking about, and the other week we had Ali come on and talk to us about it, that made all of our experiences better because she volunteered her time to do it. I 
this isn't a rant, and it's going to come as a rant, and it's going to come as telling off. I've, I've asked to speak to someone who has done early permanence on fostering to adopt, because I'd love to talk about it. I know all about the theory side of foster to adopt. I know nothing about the practicalities of what that looks like. I want to talk to other people because if somebody else out there is thinking about foster to adopt or early permanence, I want to be able to share that experience as they've got a resource. So if right now you're listening and you went through early permanence or foster to adopt and you're thinking, ah, you know, I I could share my story. Mm, Do you know what? Somebody else do it. Well, I'm here to tell you they didn't. (laughs) I need you. I need to hear your story. And... All of my other guests have had a thoroughly wonderful time. <laughs> I guarantee it. Um, but they've been able to come on and hear and share their story and make somebody else's journey better. That's what I need from you. So share your story, good or bad. Share your stories because. It's needed, it's wanted. Um, share your experience. Get involved. Because I guarantee the more involved you are, the more active you are in the adoption community, life community, world community. You know, you, you're an adopter, you're a parent, you're a human. Get involved. You know, this last year has taught us about community and how incredible community can be if we all pull together. Sometimes you have to be the head of that community. You don't always have to be. And if more of us were getting involved, less of us would have to be the leader of that. But do get involved. Because when I was talking to this focus forum people were talking about how having adopters there and having adopter-led training made for a better experience. Well, it only comes if more people are getting involved. So find a way to get involved. Make a difference. Um, Yeah. I hope that didn't come across too ranty. Um, I I meant it from a place of love. Um, And... I've just checked and the recording is definitely happening okay. So um, I ended up walking probably about four or five miles today. Uh, I only intended to do two. So thank you very much. Um, here's wishing you all the best. I hope you've had a great start to your week and I hope you have a wonderful week moving forward. Um, here's wishing you all the best and I'll speak to you next week.